Everything that people come up here and try to teach us to teach us how to live a good godly life. The other week, Pastor Manuel was teaching us why and how we go through trials. Pastor Stevan, he hit on prayers. And he said that a prayer life won't allow you to be a shasha. And then he used another word, but he said the shackles will fall from your hands. Amen. And so all of these things tell us that life as a Christian will bring you struggles. That becoming a Christian doesn't mean that you're going to live a struggle-free life. You see, the Bible talks about Egypt and being freed from Egypt. It doesn't, we, we refer to that as being freed from the bondages that had us locked up in sin. You see, the devil had us bound, but we've been freed. No longer do we have to operate under these bondages that we were under before. You see, that's the saving of the soul, so to speak. Then the saving of the mind goes in the desert. That, that, that happens, that process happens in the desert because God also wants our thinking to be changed. He wants us to learn how to have the word live through us and how to stand on his promises because his whole goal is for us to cross over into the promised land. And so we got to learn how to allow this process to go in the desert. You see, you got to go through the desert. You can't shorten that time, but you can lengthen it like those did in the desert. But the whole purpose of being safe is not to be trouble free. When they crossed over into the promised land, was there struggles? Yes, there was struggles. Was there battles? Yes, there was battles. Was there fights? Yes. So being saved, nowhere in the Bible do we see it being struggle free. Matter of fact, it's a guarantee that you're going to go through struggles. So I believe that's why Pastor Manuel, the pastoral team, they spend a lot of time on trying to teach us the, the, the congregation not only to don't be misunderstanding that we're supposed to be free from trials but how to go through them how to expect them and how to allow them to go in our lives amen you know a lot of years ago victory outreach is unique I wasn't going to do this I'm not going to dance Debbie but you know we're different than other churches. And I'd, I'd be way out of pocket and out of line if I was to say that we're the only church that preaches the truth. They all do their part and we all have parts of the body, but I love Victory Outreach. You see, we're called to be the foot soldiers of the body, okay? Because what we went through in Egypt left us scarred. You see, look around, you see tattoos and mustaches. Now look at the men. Huh. Forgive me, Father. <laughs> but you know, we've been lied to and we've been abused and we got tracks running up and down our arms for some of us or we got bad livers. A lot of us come from broken families. We've been scarred. And like Jennifer Lopez, Brother Ismo in here, is he? Well, years ago, he, he gave a men's discipleship, and he said we have to be like Jennifer Lopez, and I'm kind of shy back there, but. <laughs> what he meant was in that movie, Enough, where she drew the line, where she was tired of taking too much abuse and beating. 
We have to get tired and draw the line. Well, are we tired of what the devil has done to us? You see, we've been freed, but there's more people in bondage today. There's still more people out there in the grass and shackles of Satan. And are we going to sit back and enjoy our Christianity? Is that the mindset that we really want? Is that I'm supposed to only be saved to kick back in my lazy boy chair while others stay in bondage? That's not the right concept of why we've been saved. Tell your neighbor, we've been saved to be a soldier in God's army. Amen? Years ago, there was a man named Saddam Hussein. He invaded Kuwait with all his military power. He went in there and he brought death. He brought disease and he brought destruction. Saudi Arabia knew that it was only a matter of time before this crazy man was going to come in to their area. So what did they do? They contacted and called Washington, D.C. I have a hard time here because I don't like none of the bushes. Okay? They're crooks in my mind. My mind. Okay? If I step on your toes, I apologize. Okay? They were presidents. They did what presidents have to do to get in presidencies. They even stacked the ballots. But the day that Saudi Arabia called President Bush, not the one in 2001, but the father, that guy earned my respect. That day, that guy went into action. Bam! What he did was he started making phone calls. He called England. He called Canada. He called Turkey. He called Italy. And he called France. France kind of backed out later on. But he got them together and he developed a team, a body, a core. You see, he knew that just United States going perhaps could win. But the win would be guaranteed if all these countries were to join together. And what they went over there to Saddam Hussein was they drew a line. And they told him, you ain't going any further. That's enough. Amen? Not only did they tell him that's enough... Not only did they tell that madman that you can't go any further, but they told him you're going to have to give up territory you already took him. Amen? The next thing that Saddam Hussein knew, you see, when a, a crazy guy like that is going into countries, into areas, and just doing what he wants with everybody without any opposition, he's not expecting that kind of opposition. He's not expecting countries to come together and oppose him in such a force like we did. I don't know if any of you were there and watched the, 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 the news media of what we did to them, but I know he was not expecting that. Amen? All of a sudden, there's like a half a million soldiers coming down on him, telling him that's enough. Well, today, there's another madman on the loose. His name's the devil. And he's out taking territories. And he's out still doing what he's always done. He has people locked in bondage just like you and me. Are we going to stand aside and allow him to continue? But you see, when you look at what's going on in this world, you might know that you can't make a difference by yourself. But just like President Bush did when he called the troops together and other people together and united, what happened was he built a force that blew Saddam Hussein's mind. The devil ain't expecting us to operate as one body. The devil ain't expecting us to come together.
with one cause and one force. You see, as a military movement, we have a cause. What is our cause? God, Jesus Christ. And what is our purpose? The purpose is others. You see, Jesus is our foundation. Jesus is our cause. Jesus is our rock and others is our purpose as a military movement. Amen? You see, the devil's out to cause us havoc and destroy us. He's trying to bring death and disease and destruction to our families, to our neighborhoods, to our cities. He seeks out to, to bring immorality in our futures. Amen? But God called together a coalition called Victory Outreach. God's got Victory Outreach. He's calling us together. Heart of the Bay, Victory Outreach International. He wants us to work together. We pulled a pretty big event not too long ago called Drama Rama. And that was really, I hate to say it, Pastor, it was bad. It was good. I love you. You're the bomb. But that was nothing. That's nothing what we can do. We did that with just Gilroy, Salinas, a few local churches around here, and UTC. Imagine if we were able to bring in forces from all over the world. That's how big Victory Outreach International is. Imagine what we could do to Satan. What happened to Saddam Hussein would be small fries. The devil doesn't expect people to unite. What the devil expects for churches to do is be more concerned about bingo night. He expects churches to be more concerned about men's breakfasts. Don't get me wrong. Have one, I'll be there. <laughs> Amen. We got to serve notice. We got to serve notice on this madman. It's time, ladies. It's time, men, to come under the umbrella of God. Victory Outreach, Heart of the Bay. It's time to serve this guy notice. The party's over. Okay, God got an army. And we're part of this soldiers, amen? Jesus said, upon this rock, I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail. Shane Willard pointed out and broke down that scripture beautifully. What that meant, man, is not up for us to be scared of hell, but we should have the courage to go in there and take back what is ours. We should not be scared. He says that the gates of hell cannot prevail. We're not to be afraid. That song that we were singing was all of a sudden, I'm unaware of the afflictions, okay, eclipsed by his glory. That means we are going to get hit. We are are gonna suffer but God's glory will protect us from that you go through it but you're able to go through it amen we're not to try to avoid trials we're not to try to avoid pain and struggles but what we gotta do is know how to go through them and why we go through them amen like a good soldier we're in the business of raising soldiers in the armies here amen ladies I believe Matthew got his marching orders at the women's discipleship. I love you, sir. You're my hero, baby. Huh? You see, this was probably in Paul's mind at the end of his last mission. You know, they say Paul had so many missionary journeys, but I think he had one more. Either that or he was touring the penal system. But when he was in prison, he was still on a mission, Amen. Just because he was in prison, all of a sudden he didn't have a mission, amen? Okay, I believe if 
Pastor Esteban and Sister Chella was to go somewhere on vacation or go somewhere for any other reason, they're still going to be on a mission. And I believe that Paul, even though he was in prison, he was still on a mission. And while he was there being locked up by that emperor Nero, I believe that he started thinking about things as he wrote little Timothy a letter. You see, he's telling Timothy, he knew that Timothy was young and really hasn't really been properly taught yet, maybe, how to go through the oppression and what he was facing as being a young pastor there in Ephesus. He knew that he was going through struggles. He knew that he was going through conflict. He knew that he was going through opposition. He knew that people were coming against him. People were trying to tackle his theology, that people were trying to uh, uh, talk bad about him. So Paul's there in prison, and he's trying to tell Timothy how you got to go through these things, okay? And so while he's writing Timothy, he tells Timothy the same thing that if Paul was here today would tell you and I. Anybody that goes through difficulties because you're following Jesus Christ, he says this, man, you got to be reminded of why you're here. You got to be reminded of your cause. You got to be reminded of your purpose. You got to not forget about Jesus Christ. And you got to remember that we're saved for others, that there's still others and behind and locked up in bondage, that we're not living for ourselves. We're not living for comfort, but we live for others. And so he's telling Timothy to not forget. He tells Timothy to not forget. When we're going through things, man, we can't forget why we are here or why we are saved. Huh? You see, Peter walked on water. And when Peter walked on water, he had his eyes on Jesus Christ. You can't forget. You got to remember and you got to stay focused on Jesus. Amen? And just like any of us, that's the same thing we have to do. Can we get the scriptures, Brother James? If you don't mind, I'm going to take a drink of water as he puts the scriptures up. I'm shaking in my boots. Because this is important to me. Uh, Pastor Stevan and, and Sister Chella, why you trust me, I don't know. But I'm, I'm honored and I love you guys greatly. All you guys. And what I see here is because they love you, man. They love you to bits and they want you to live right and they want you to live productive lives. So I'm up here trying to tell you something. And that's not, no, you know, it's, it's, an, it's very important. I, get, I shake the same way when someone asks me to watch their kids, okay? I don't want to just give kids Cheerios and put them in front of MTV, okay? I want to make sure they get fed right and they're going to learn stuff that's going to take them somewhere in this world. And I believe that's the same thing as pastoral team wants for everyone here. Amen. Second Timothy 2 verses 1 to 4. Verse 1. You therefore my son be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. The things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses. Entrust these things to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Suffer hardships with me as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No soldier in active service entangles himself in the affairs of everyday life so that he may please the one who listed him as a soldier. Amen. Can you leave it up there though, please? When Paul wrote these words, at that time he was chained to a Roman soldier. 
At that time, there was Roman soldiers everywhere around Paul. And if you ever see a picture of a Roman soldier, you'll kind of know what one looks like. That's also when he wrote Romans 6, 12 in the armor of, of God. But if you understand what a Roman soldier is, they were raised for a purpose. They were raised from a cause from birth. You see, they were pulled and trained right from the gate of how to be a soldier. Nevertheless, even though this was instilled to these men from the beginning, I believe there probably was three kinds of soldiers. There were soldiers that compromised, probably. You know, like when I was younger, uh, there was a show called Sergeant Bilko. He just gave up his age. <laughs> that dude was always up to something, huh? He, he wore the uniform. He was a military man, but he was always up to something scandalous. He was always doing something shady. He compromised. Then there was always other people that just didn't believe in the cause or whatnot. So they ended up going AWOL or jumping ship. But then there was the guy that you call a good soldier. A guy that was upright, that wore his uniform proudly and knew what it represented. There was a, a good soldier that knew the cause and purpose of why he lived. And he did it with honor. Amen? So I believe when Paul was writing Timothy, he was telling Timothy, don't be like these other two Timothy, but be a good soldier. Be just like that guy that stands up straight, that don't compromise. That guy that don't want to run away from conflict or war, but he's willing to go wherever his commander tells him and be respectful and answer the call that God has on his life. Be a good soldier, Timothy. Don't forget why you're wearing the uniform. And that's when I believe that Paul was trying to communicate to Timothy that day. He was making comparisons to soldiers and Christians. Amen? Amen. Now, you might not know where I'm getting at. Or you might. I'm not boomeranging today. <laughs> I'm coming at you straight. The moment we raise our hand and we accept Jesus Christ in our heart, we make him our Lord and Savior. We become a subject into his kingdom. He is our Lord. When that was written, that meant Lord. That meant he's our commander in chief now. That means that he tells us what to do. That we give him permission to tell us what to do. To tell us go this way. To tell us go that way. To say wait until you meet the right man. Wait until you meet the right woman. Let me take you to some training. Because where I'm about to send you. You're going to have to know this. And you're going to have to know that. Endure hardships like a good soldier. I believe that's what happens. As soon as we raise our hand. And accept Christ in our life. Ye, we become soldiers in God's army. You're a soldier if you're saved today. If you're not saved, well then God don't make nobody enlist. You enlist on your own. God's recruiting you though. He don't force, force nobody to be a soldier of his army. God don't draft. He don't force, but he does recruit. This guy Stuart Briscoe, he said you cannot be reconciled to God without being recruited for God. Paul's words to Timothy are also our marching orders today as this church, as this body of believers. We're teaming together as an army, striving to be good soldiers of Jesus Christ. We've had a team go into the LTA. 
We've had, we're having a team going into the garden led by Eric and, and, and Geronimo and their wives. Amen? That can kind of be a little scary for the timid individual. But really, we're called to do a far greater things than these. But I believe God's having us do these things. Why? Because he's allowing us to see these small victories and how easy it is really done when a body of people go out and allow God to lead them to go win souls. Eric kept saying the main thing is souls. Amen? Check this out. Pay attention, please. New York, Hollywood, San Francisco, Washington, D.C., they've all been taken over by groups of homosexuals, by gays, okay? Uh, no, I'm not prejudiced. I have a lot in my family, okay? But what I'm trying to get at is this. You had black, brown, white, yellow gays come together to go take over these cities and areas for a purpose and a cause. If gays can do it, how come we can't? Or can we? Huh? I'm not saying, I'm just saying. Chew on that for a little bit. Yeah, I'm trying to provoke you for the good. You see, I believe brown and black and white and yellow, rich and poor Christians can come together, man, and go back into the enemy's camp and make a stand in a force just like anybody group. When people come together, you have a loud voice. When people come together, you got power. There's power in numbers. I'm going to give you quickly. I don't know. when Did I just start? Five minutes? Okay about a good soldier. Number one, a good soldier not only knows how, but he's willing to suffer hardships. Verse three, suffer hardships with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. You see, by Paul saying with me, what he's saying is, I'm not expecting you to do something little Timmy that I ain't gonna do myself. If you look at the, our, our founders of the church that we've been studying in the book of Acts, all the apostles, you know that they all died the way Sister Chella wants to die or wanted to, as martyrs. And Sister Chella's already died. She died to herself. She's here living for you and me. And if you look at the founders and leaders of Victory Outreach, they, they have done it also, and they still continue doing it. Look at Pastor Sonny Sr. and Sonny Jr., Look at Philip LaCruz Jr. Look at this front row. Everybody has laid their lives down already for these things. And so what they're asking for us is nothing that they won't do themselves. That's the same thing that Paul was telling Timothy. He says, suffer with me, Timothy. Amen. He's telling him, I'm not going to expect nothing from you that I won't do myself. What does it mean to suffer hardships? Well, Let's take a look at it, folks. <clears throat> the more faithful we are as followers of Christ, the more we're going to get on Satan's radar. The more roadblocks he's going to put up. He don't want to lose any more captives. He don't want to allow any more people freed from Egypt. Pharaoh didn't give up the people easily. And Satan still is not surrendering too easy. So as he sees us becoming soldiers and 
a dynamic force that's going to go into the camp and steal people back. You can expect roadblocks and hardships to come our way. The stronger you grow in your walk, the more evident spiritual warfare will be in your life. Somebody says, I can tell who you are by the size of your enemies. That's why you've been called to endure hardship. Spurgeon said, the Lord gets his best soldiers out of the highlands of affliction and sorrow. Victory outreach, that's you and me. Victory outreach, we know about affliction. Victory outreach, we know how it is, man, to be ripped off and lied to all our lives. Victory outreach, we know how it is to be cut deep and suffer. We're scarred, man. We've been healed. But like we were saying the other day, a couple of us, you put a nail in the board, even though you pull it out, there's still a hole in there. We have scars on us, man. We have wounds from the prior battles that Satan done to us. And this is where God finds his foot soldiers, is where we come from. That's why Victory Outreach is here. That's why he rose up. Victory outreach because we ain't taking no more. Enough. Amen. Lord gets his best soldiers out of highlands of affliction and sorrow. You see, because if you lived an easy life, you never suffered. You won't know how it is to fight. But we know how it is to fight. We just don't fight flesh and blood no more. We're fighting Satan. You see, check this out, guys, ladies. Michael, Jack, Michael Jordan played for the Chicago. Okay, all you guys from up north, you wore all their sweatsuits, I know. Huh. I'm, not, I'm not flaming, I just like the bulls. Huh. Let's say he goes to the sidelines and he tells his coach, he says, look, coach, I don't want to go out there no more because they're double teaming me. They're not letting me take shots easy. Every time I, I get better, more and more people start surrounding me. They're not making my life easy. Imagine if he was to do that. Coach, do me a favor, will you? Go over there and tell him to leave me alone. <laughs> Every time I try to dribble or pass, man, they keep blocking it and and giving me a hard time. What do you think the coach would say? Huh? Look, dude, when you suited up and booted up, you knew what time it was. I don't pay you $5 million a year, man, to be over here sniveling. Now go out there and do your job. When they come at you this way, flip around, hit the backboard, dunk it in their face, man. Score points, play team ball. We're here to win. That's what you're supposed to expect is opposition from you. Why? Because you're a good player. You're on a good team. You have a purpose. You have a cause. Oppositions to be expected. Get back out there, Michael. Play better ball. I hate to tell you today, though, when we go through hardships, we want our coach to say, it's okay, sit down. You know, we want a comforter. The Bible says comforter. You know, we think it's a blanket with downy feathers in there. <laughs> a lazy boy with a remote control and a place for a Kool-Aid. If you look it up, it means paraclete. I could see everybody here exercises. But when you have a trainer in the gym 
and you're telling your trainer it's getting hard, I can't push it anymore. He don't tell you then put it down. He says, come on, push it. You can do it, man. Come on, push it. Strive harder. Dig deeper, man. Find that guy inside of you. Stop listening to all those words that you were told in Egypt that you're no good, that you're nobody, that you can't do nothing. Listen to the scriptures of God that tell you you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you baby learn how to dig deep tap into the Holy Spirit don't forget where you come from don't forget why you're here don't forget who you are push it that's called an encourager not here's a downy blanket amen once again I went off my notes all right. Listen up, Victory Outreach. Jesus didn't save us just so we don't go to hell. I love Shane Willard. He says, that's like telling your wife that I married you because the only girl, the other girl is an ugly chick. <laughs> you know, God, I'm only with you because I don't want to go to hell. That's not cool. We're saved, man, because God got an army and we enlisted in it. He saved you and me, man, not to be afraid of the opposition, but to dribble around it and dunk it in his face. Amen? Second thing is a good soldier is separated from normal life. A soldier in active service don't have a nine to five. Okay? A soldier... In active duty, don't have a nine to five. Huh? Ain't no me time. It's 24 7, 365, por vida. Huh? 24 7, 365, until you go home. An active soldier does not have a regular job, his body, his health, his skills, his time, all that he has belongs to the military. You see movies when they get off the bus and, and, and the drill sergeant gets them, he says, listen here, you no longer belong to your mama. You're mine. Training's about to start. He's gonna teach him how to go to war and battle. You're no longer yours, you belong and been paid for by Jesus Christ. You see, he, when he is ordered into dangerous duty, the good soldier, he's expected to put his very life on the line without questioning or hesitation. When a woman or a man joins the army and God says, you belong to me, you were bought with a price. That's why Paul, check this out, in verse four says that a good soldier of Christ does not entangle himself in the affairs of everyday life. Okay, what is he really talking about? He's not talking about things that are bad and in themselves. He's not saying that we shouldn't talk to our old comrades or associates, but some of us should cut them loose. Amen? He's saying that you should never be caught up in them. He says that you should never allow earthly matters to, to, to interfere with fulfilling our duty as soldiers. When God gives you a command, you shouldn't tell God, hold on, I'm, I'm going to finish this first over here. Or I'm, I'm waiting to see, uh, uh, I invested over here. Okay? 
that we're willing to leave whatever on a call like a good soldier and that's what Paul's telling Timothy to not get so caught up don't be caught up in the affairs of this world to where you don't answer the call and purpose on your life we are in a battle over sin we're in a battle over Satan and we're in a battle for souls today I'm here to tell you yes a lot of churches do good things but not a lot of them will go into the gates of hell like Victory Outreach they're doing a lot of good things and many things are, are ministering to a lot of people but I can't say nothing bad about them but victory outreach this is who we are and this is what we're called to do you see whenever you think that you don't know how to fight whenever you think that you can't endure hardships look back in the mirror look back in your past and see and say no more I've had enough and remember there's people just like me there's people just like you maybe you grew up in the church there's people like your parents still out there there's people like your uncle's still out there that the devil has bound say enough man I can do this don't be so caught up in your worldly program amen a lot of churches are not doing what VO does you remember Saddam Hussein he looked out and he saw weapons that he's never seen before why why he's seen helicopters He's seen bombs. He faced weapons that he didn't even know existed. In fact, we used weapons we ain't never used before. We were just trying them out. We were just developing them. We've never used them before. But Saddam Hussein gave us a reason, man, to pull this arsenal out of the trials and, and research areas. And we used them. And we hit them with everything that we had, man. He didn't expect nothing like that. We got bigger things that we can do, Victory Outreach, than we've done already. We can do more than drama-rama. We can do more than these things that we've been doing. What we've been doing already, man, is small fries. Bigger things than these are about to come, man. We got things in our minds. We got ideas. We got visions being birthed today. We ain't tried them yet, but devil give us a reason, man, to pull them out. We're about to wage war on you. We're going to come together as an army, and together, man, we're going to tear you up enough. If you're a soldier and you're ready, say amen. You see, they were there training and they were there learning about these new weapons, but none of them knew the outcome until they got on the battlefield. Amen? A lot of us come to church on Sunday. A lot of us come to church on Thursday. We go to cell groups and fresh start. We go to Vetti. But until we get on the battlefield and until we get blood on our swords, it's only in the mind. The weapons are laid there in research areas. But until we put them to use, they're of no use. Hello. Ooh, shakata. I'm glad I'm hearing amen from the front row because I thought they were going to tell me I can't preach no more. <laughs> this is something I believe. The real question is the battle is not how well things work in practice. It's how good we use them in warfare. You see, when you go to the Raiders or the Niners Stadium, it seats 76, 50,000, whatever. I don't know. I've not been taken lately, and I'm not using this to plead. <laughs> Forgive me, Father. 
you see, and when you see the kickoff and then you see the team that you're there hoping wins goes into a huddle, you don't care what is said in the huddle. You really don't care what happened in that huddle. You want to see what they planned come to pass. You want to see that ball cross the goal line. You want to see the score up on the board. We can sit here and we can talk all we want to talk. We could sit here and give encouraging inspirational messages. We could sit here and break down theology in 24 different ways with 24 subpoints on each point. But nothing, my friend, matters until we get on the field and score some points. Until we get the money on the board, right? Raiders, Niner fans, you should say amen. Huh? What are we going to do with those 11 men out in the field? You gonna stay in the huddle or you gonna get in the game and win something? Huh? We can have impressive huddles at church, but what we gotta do is get together on the playing field. Church is not the playing field. Uh, the garden is the playing field. LTA is the garden, is the playing field. Llewellyn is the playing field. Amen. Oakland is the playing field. Newark is the playing field. Fremont is the playing field. Union City is the playing field. The huddle, it's time to get out there on the playing field. I know it's going to be rough out there. I know that if you go back into your areas, into your job places, into your neighborhoods, and where you live, it's going to be tough out there but don't forget man why you're here don't forget who you are keep your eyes on Jesus number three a good soldier finds his strength in the team in the team Christian life or any army is not a one man band not only do we need others but others need you that's why Paul tells in verse 2 he says, and the things that you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses and trust to reliable men who will also be qualified to teach others. When it comes to church, there's strength in numbers. The Bible says that Satan is roaring as a lion, seeking who he may devour. And a lot of us get scared of that verse, but we don't understand when a lion actually roars. He don't roar until he killed his prey. The prey is already dead. He roars because he's afraid who might come in and steal back what he just killed. Okay? There's called jackals and hyenas and things like that that they roam in packs of five to ten. And the lion knows that if a pack of these jackals or hyenas was to come to him, they could steal his fresh kill. And he don't want to lose what he's already killed. And so he roars like a lion. And that's what, Paul, that's what that verse means here, man. Don't be scared. If we hang together, if we operate as a team, man, we can go in and we can steal the kill of our enemies. You don't do it alone. You're not alone. Don't think alone. The lion knows, and that's why the lion roars. It's because he's actually scared. Amen. The Bible says that Satan roaring like a lion. His big mouth. He scares off jackals and ferocious with his sound. Listen to me, man. Satan got a big mouth. That's for sure. But Satan ain't crazy. Tells me that he's cunning. Tells me that he has all this kind of stuff. He's not crazy. 
He knows when we come in groups and he knows when we operate like a body that he has to give up the kill. He has to surrender it, amen? So that's how we operate. He's not a fool. He's going to give it up. Amen? All right. Now, we have a lot of differences in this church. We have a lot of different uh, backgrounds in this church. Diversity. And that's what makes it beautiful. I'm very, very proud to be part of this church. To me, when I look out here, I see ice cream. 31 flavors. <laughs> I see Filipino. I see Mexican. I see white. I see uh, uh, Salvadorian, Guamanian. I see Mexican, Puerto Rican. I see African American. It's as beautiful as an ice cream parlor for me up here when I look at you. But we learn how to live together, man. We're coming together as a body here in Victory Outreach. We're not letting racial uh, uh, differences divide us, man. We're embracing each other. We deserve a hand clap. Give yourself a hand clap. Amen. However, there's still things that threaten to divide us. There's still things that separate us, that, 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 that are threatening constantly to divide us. And we cannot allow that. You see? Don't matter if you're Democratic or Republican. You see, when they crossed over the Jordan River and they said, hey man, what side do you belong to? Red or blue? Mexican or white? North or south? And what was he told? Neither. I'm a, I'm a soldier. I'm a commander in the army of God. That's all God cares about is whose army do you belong to? Huh? And that's all that we should be caring about. We shouldn't be allowing anything to divide us, but we got to come together. Verse 4, a good soldier is submissive to the commanding officer. Who's our commanding officer? Jesus. Jesus. He's our Lord and Savior. The verse is up there, mijo. Oh, yeah. Trying to know and serving the soldier gets entangled. Amen. Good point. Good point. I love him. Love him. You know, your commanding officer, Jesus Christ, he's in our life and he's talking to you daily. A lot of people think that when he says, if you love me, you obey my commands, that it's the Ten Commandments given to Moses, or after that, the other commands. But every day, God is sending commands to you and I as his soldiers. Every day he's trying to direct us, go love that person over there. Go talk to that individual over there. Go buy that person uh, uh, lunch. We have a gentleman in the, in the home right now, and uh, uh, somebody called and they said, man, Greg, um, I seen him and I heard the voice to go talk to him and spend time with him. But when I got there, I just wanted to shine him on and say, hey, God bless you, and there's a victory out, and split but the voice kept saying, no, man, that ain't what I told you to do. Now that guy's in the home, and he's excited. In his pockets are flyers, man. There's, there's flyers for men's home. There's flyers for the church. In his other pocket, there's a Bible. He's proud to stand up, and he says, Greg, look at this. Wapa, I'm a soldier, baby. Wapa, I got my Bible. He says, come on, man. So we went to the streets. He went to the streets there and, and, and around the home. And he goes, I want to go to Oakland, man. I want to go where the dangerous people are. 
Huh? A good soldier submissive to the commanding officer. Jesus Christ deserves our honor and affection and our obedience for all that he's done. He's pulled us out of slavery. We don't have to be slaves anymore. He's given us a choice, man, if we want to stay a slave or not. Paul chose to be a slave to God. Who do you choose to be a slave to? We want to fight for God or fight for the devil. We don't have to fight for him no more. He has freed us. He deserves our honor. He deserves our glory. Amen. You see, if you don't please God, it don't matter who you please. Okay? If you don't please God, it don't matter who you please. You could please your boss. You could please your landlord. You could please your co-workers. You could please your spouse. You could please your neighbors. But all that is dookie if you don't please God. Huh? Can I say that? Yikes. Spencer. <laughs> huh? But if you don't please God, it doesn't matter who you please, man. Our job is to wake up every morning. Our job is to pray to our commander in chief. Our job is to say, well, I'm here reporting. This is a Private Debbie. This is Private Darrow. This is Private Mark. This is Private Bob. This is Private whatever, Anita. Private Matt. Private Jose. Private Robert. Private Angelica reporting a duty. What do you want me to do today, God? That's our huddle. That's our time of coming together, getting a plan for the day. Then after that, you break huddle, man, and you do what your commander says. You score. You do as he tells you to run around. You don't get entangled with your affairs that day. You don't get sidetracked, but you remember the plan. You run your route, man. You block for your players. You go as a team, amen. That's what our job is every day, is to report to duty. That's why I love Paul in the Bible. You couldn't intimidate Paul. Hardships came his way. Struggles and trials. He knew what he had to endure from the gate. He knew that it was part of the game that he was playing. You see, when they told Paul, we're gonna kill you, he replied, for me to die is game. When they told him, okay, we're not going to kill you. We're going to let you live. He says, that's all right, too, for me to live as Christ. Then they said, okay, we're not going to kill you. We're not going to let you live, but we're going to make you suffer. Amen. And he says, well, I reckon that the suffering of this present time is not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed unto me. Amen. Those little struggles that we go through, I know that you feel them. Those trials that you go through, I know that they're real, man. But keep your eye on the prize, man. You see, when you pay the price, the prize is far greater. Paul was saying, for I reckon. I remember somebody said that was the first 
mention of a cowboy in the Bible because he said, I reckon. But he says, if you reckon, that means if you weigh it out, if you figure it out, man, you're going to get paid back far greater than what it costs. You might not see it here on earth. You might not get a whole bunch of money, but souls will be saved, man. You're fighting for a reason. You're fighting for a purpose. Don't think that it ain't worth it. Don't think that it's petty, man. Be willing to lay your life down. Huh? I love that dude. You couldn't scare him with nothing. You make me suffer, I'm gonna get more reward later for it. It's not gonna say, Take me out, coach. So it don't matter to me. Bring it on, he says. Bring all you got. You see, some people here, maybe not in this church, yeah, in this church, don't wanna be submissive to their commanding officer. They don't wanna be submissive. In the military, they call that insubordinate. There's people that have gone AWOL. People that don't show up for duty when the call has been put out. Some of us, God has called to be teachers up in here. Some of us, God has called to come alongside Sister Gina and help out with the children's church. I know that you'd rather go to Vietnam and fight all those guys without a weapon than work with the kids. <sighs> It could be scary. But you know that you're called. You love kids and whatnot. Some of you are called to be preachers, evangelists, missionaries. But you look at the price and you're afraid that it might affect or, or it might come in conflict with your worldly things, with the plans that you have for yourself. I'm so glad that Sister Chellup gave up her plan to be a single until the rapture and married Pastor Esteban. Huh? They're both godly. They both know God dearly and closely because of that marriage, I believe. Amen? Some of us have been called to be on this worship team back here. Some have been called to be evangelists. God has called everybody here for this. And God has called everybody for that. But a lot of us ain't showing up to our post, man, to get trained for the position, to be prepared for the position. Some of us get called to help for this and that, but we're not answering our phones, man. We're not hearing the call. We're not listening to the call. We're doing the screen thing. Mm, I want something. Hello. We're being insubordinate. You know, uh, statistics that word huh. statics <laughs> this new brother out here with the flyers man you're gonna love him his energy is so contagious and beautiful and I love hanging around because he's, he's making me remember when I was young man huh? I know I'm not young I can't do what I want but I like that young spirit okay and he goes hey Greg can we go out vandalizing <laughs> vandalizing you're a hard crowd <laughs> You're a hard crowd. So they told him to put an E in there. He says, okay, E vandalize. 5% <laughs> of all believers today 
go out and tell everybody about Jesus. That means that there's 95% of Christians being insubordinate to our commander in chief's last words here on earth, man. He said to go out and make disciples everywhere and yet only 5% of Christian body is actually obeying his last orders. That's not good. That's not acceptable, man. We need to rise up. We need to not be insubordinate. We not not need to be doing a wall. We need to show up, man, and do what he tells us to do. Let me go to the last point. I believe we're way over time. Can I have a couple more hours? A good soldier is single-minded in his mission. A soldier's job isn't finished until his mission is accomplished. Doesn't mean that you'll never feel like quitting. It's never, doesn't mean that you're never going to feel like I can't take anymore. When Paul wrote the weapons in Ephesians 6, he said, after you fight, all you can fight, he says to stand. There's no surrendering. We don't quit. It's a 24-7, 365 job. There's no sabbaticals. This is until we die, man. We're Christians until we go and see him again or get taken up. It's por vida. A good soldier stays focused on his purpose. A good soldier stays focused on why he's here. He don't let other things take his mind. Money-making sheens. Good-looking uh, individuals of the opposite sex whatever it might be, but a good soldier knows why I'm here. And every day, man, he thinks about his mission and how I can accomplish my mission and how I can rally up other people on the team, man, to help this team win and score points. Everything that he thinks is focused on this purpose. He's single-minded. In verse 10, in verse 10, you see it says, Therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they too may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. You see, this guy, Christian Weiss, he said, God never called us to preach sermons. He called us to deliver his message. You see, we got news, Victory Heart of the Bay. If you're a member of this church, you're in God's army. And if you're not, God is recruiting you to enlist into his army. And by definition, every Christian has a mission, and therefore every Christian is a missionary. You see, that mission has been defined for us. In 2 Corinthians verse 5, it says, Now all things are God of God. Who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. That's our mission. And single-mindedness means we don't stop until it's accomplished. Amen? If AJ or who's playing the keyboard... I'm surprised you haven't got up here yet. I had uh, sent you a while ago. <clears throat> Look at, we're going to have hardships. 
We're going to have struggles. And we need to learn how to go through them. You see, Timothy was young. And so when we're new in Christianity, um, you know, you're going to feel every affliction. Everything that you go through, you're going to feel it big time, right? And you're not going to know what to do. And there's going to be people there to explain to you, just like Paul tried to explain to Timothy, that when you're going through these hard times, man, don't forget why you're here. The purpose is right there in 2 Corinthians. Amen? To remember who you are in Christ and what he pulled you out of and that your life is not your own. Most of the time when we go through struggles and it's getting bigger and bigger as we focus on what our situation is, it's because we're not seeing Jesus Christ in it. We're not seeing others in it. We're seeing ourselves, and we're seeing the loss of our plans. But that's what the desert's for after we come out of Egypt, is he wants our minds to be saved also. He wants this renewing process to come to where we learn why we really are here. That we're no longer here for ourselves. Then when we realize our call on life, we start getting scared and we think that we can't do it. We think that we have low self-esteem and these kind of things because in Egypt, man, those slaves were beat and they were told they were nothing. Their leaders didn't want them to come together and know how powerful they were. They didn't, the leaders didn't want them to know what really lived inside of them. You see, it reminds me of a lion that at birth got separated from his family and was raised by a bunch of sheep. The lion thought he was a sheep. The lion did not know that he was a lion until one day it got bigger and it went down to drink at the pond and it seen its reflection and it got scared and it let out a roar. You see, the devil has told you that you're weak and that you're no good. But inside of us, there's a lion, there's Jesus Christ. There's power that lives inside each and every one of you. So what happens is after you learn how to go through your trials and you start realizing that you have a call on your life, you start thinking that you're insignificant or that you can't do it. And God wants you to know that yes, you can. Then God wants you to know that you're not alone in this battle. That we have a team. And not only here in Victory Outreach Hayward, but we're all over the world. As a matter of fact, it goes far more than just Victory Outreach. God has a big body. We got Baptists and Pentecostals. Huh? And I believe that there's a place for the Catholics on that body. Okay? God has a big army. We're not alone. Just like the United States has Marines and, and it has the Navy and the Army and the Air Force. Well, God has a lot of branches. And the branch that we belong to, Victory Outreach, is soldiery. People to go into the enemy's camp because we know how they're suffering. We know where they're at. And if we really look at our past, man, we should not be as scared. We should not be afraid. We should be angry at this enemy. And we should be able to come together and tell him, you ain't taking no more territory, baby. As a matter of fact, we're going in and we're taking back what you took from us. Huh? Please stand. Please stand. I believe there's men and women here today that you feel a lion or you feel a soldier just ready to roar up and take off. 
you might be afraid don't be afraid don't be afraid God's waiting for you to take your post God wants you to rise up and be all you can be and who he's made you to be at your post I believe there's people here today who are willing to take it all the way I believe there's men and women here that are willing to play ball and not want to quit because there's some opposition. I believe there's men and women here today that want to dedicate their lives to God por vida. Amen? If that's you, the altars are open. The altars are open. 